This is Terror House Radio with Matt Forney and Matt Forney. That's right. Welcome to Terror House Radio episode number four. I am Matt Forney, your charming and loquacious host and the founder and editor-in-chief of Terror House Press. I'll be flying solo for this episode. Uh, my producer co-host, Brian Proctor, he had to put in some extra hours at the salt mine for Christmas, so he unfortunately couldn't make it. He might be popping up in the sec- second segment, I don't know, but for the moment, it's just me. Welcome back, guys. We've got a great show for you tonight, today, whenever you happen to listen to this, because we have Andy Nowicki joining us. Andy Nowicki is an author and... Uh, commentator. He's written several novels and short story collections, including The Columbine Pilgrim, which, the second edition of which, will be released by Terror House next month. Uh, it's just a f- couple couple short weeks away. We are getting it together. We're putting it together. It will be our second publication. Ter- uh, and this is an absolute... You guys are going to love this book. Well, just about everything that Terror House does is fantastic, but The Columbine Pilgrim is a really special novel. It was one of uh, Nowicki's first works, published back in 2011. Um, and as Nowicki himself has, has kind of said about it in recent months, uh, it was Joker before Joker. Same kind of work about an alienated loner taking his revenge on the world. It's very poignant, it's funny, it's dark, and it's remarkable. And Nowicki's work is just just fantastic. He's, he's one of my favorite novelists. He's been a friend of mine for years. And I just can't say how overjoyed I am that you know he's chosen Terror House to bring his works back into print. Most of his works are out of print right now. But we're bringing them all back, starting with The Columbine Pilgrim, that's coming soon. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about Star Wars. He's a he's a Star Wars uh, fan with uh, some strong opinions on uh, the new trilogy. And in fact, by the time you listen to this, it'll be Sunday. But on Friday, I put up my review of Star Wars 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it's not good, folks. It's not a good movie. So we'll probably be talking about Star Wars. We'll be talking about uh, incels. We'll be talking about all kinds of things. Right here on Terror House Radio. Now, I want to get out of this way quickly. There was no episode last week, and that was for a number of reasons. Uh, Chief of which... Well, I'll start this from the top. Uh, I recently moved to the uh, wonderful country of uh, Armenia. I was living in Georgia. I'm in Armenia now. And the past week has not been a good week. Because... I was in the uh, city of Gyumri, which is uh, located uh, near the border with Georgia, near the border with Turkey, and I got sick. I got I got sick for the first time in, I honestly God don't remember the last time I got sick. Maybe about a year ago when I moved to Georgia. Seems to be a running theme. When I move from one country to the next, I always get sick. Um, and the reason I got sick is because I took a bus. Well, not a bus. Those of you who have never been to uh, an ex-Soviet country, uh, particularly one of the, the poor ones, the smaller ones, 
The preferred form of public transportation between cities is something called the marshrutka, which is basically just a minivan. It's, it's a van with seats. And so it was here, I took a marshrutka from Tbilisi to Gyumri. And despite this being a brand new vehicle, it was a brand new uh, Mercedes-Benz, nice and shiny, looked like it had just come out of the shop. For whatever reason, the driver refused to turn the heat on because he was being cheap, I guess. So even though I had my coat on, my hat on, my scarf on, I was freezing the entire way. And public transportation is always uh, an incubator for germs. So, and and to top it all off, Gumri is colder than Tbilisi. It actually snowed the day after I got there. So unsurprisingly, I got sick. I got a, I got a cold. And last weekend, I spent most of it just sleeping because I didn't have the energy to do anything else. Uh, which meant, basically, you know, I couldn't do a podcast because my voice was all shot up, shot to hell. There's also a logistical issue of uh, I stayed in I stayed at a bed and breakfast um, and I didn't know it was a bed and breakfast until after I got there and what happened was oh I'm not complaining uh, the place where I stayed fantastic the hostess is just a great woman very uh, very helpful very accommodating very welcoming um, but breakfast was always at nine in the morning which meant that. I typically record. We typically record these podcasts at what is the middle of the night for me, because Brian's in the U.S. Our guests are usually in the U.S. So you know, doing a recording a podcast at like two or three in the morning, and then waking up at nine for breakfast, not really a, a thing you can you can do. And as it stands, I didn't really get a whole lot of sleep anyway outside of that one weekend where I just spent it, just 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 shivering and and, and wishing I was dead. So that was another problem. And third, uh, the internet at this place did not work very well. It kept randomly disconnecting and reconnecting every 10, 15 minutes, which would make doing any kind of Skype call or interview impossible if I can't even stay on the line. So that, those are the reasons why there was no podcast last week. I apologize to you guys for that. Um, but I'm no longer in Gyumri. I'm in, I'm in Yerevan now, which is the capital of Armenia, uh, a really great place, really great place, but I'll probably talk about that some other time. Oh, and I'm also no longer sick, as you can tell with my voice. I'm not, I'm not blowing snot everywhere. I'm not coughing. I'm not hacking up my lungs. Um, so yeah, big, big things in the works. Um, I don't really have anything. I don't really have too much else to say about all this. Oh yeah, one more thing, obviously. Remember, uh, you can always su- send us a Streamlabs tip before the show if you've got questions for our guests or just questions for me or Bryden when he's on by going to streamlabs.com slash magazine. But enough of that. We're going to have Andy Nowicki, author of The Columbine Pilgrim, coming right up. Stay tuned. This is Terror House Radio with all right, Andy Nowicki, welcome to Terror House Radio. Uh, thanks for coming on. Well, Matt, it's a pleasure. Thanks, thanks very much for having me. It's good to talk to you. Yes, uh, 
we we launched this program last month, and you're the first actual author we've had on it. And I haven't done this. I, I do this with my own solo interviews, and I've done it with I've interviewed you on my own show on the past. Um, but there are a lot of people I suspect who don't know who you are, um, but are very interested in what you have to say. So could you give uh, the uh, uh, elevator pitch of like who you are, what you do, what you write about, etc. Well, um, I, I am. Uh, let's see. What do I say about myself? I, I guess I'm somebody who's on the naughty list right now because uh, I got. I recently got banned from Facebook. I don't know if you knew. You know this happened. That this happened. Or I, not, I, 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 I saw your video on it. I haven't had time to to watch it. Like, did you get Did you get permanently banned, or was it was a thirty day suspension? Yeah, permanent permanent like like my account was disabled and it, I mean, it was it just it, it was uh like apropos of nothing like like, like I, i'd gotten those the kind of things you were talking about those kinds of uh you know temporary temporary suspensions for saying a, a, an inappropriate word uh here or there and, and sometimes they were coming after me for for things that i'd written like like in 2013 and it was just kind of ridiculous but but no, this was part of some sweeping um, purge that took place. I mean, I I, I got banned along with Colin Liddell and uh, Affirmative Right and uh, you know several others. I just I think just for being who we were, so uh, and, and being on the naughty list as I as I call it. Yeah, and, I um, mean that actually that happened to me actually back in in May. Um, uh, my account was permanently disabled, uh, which is funny uh, because uh, I like. Like like a year before, like back in 2018 uh, and 2017, I actually went and used a, a plugin on Chrome to delete everything I had ever posted on Facebook going back years. Like pictures, posts, comments, everything. The only thing on the, the profile was like my profile picture. Uh, and huh. they decided to ban me anyway. And when I, yeah. I asked like – it was some vague thing like you violated the community standards – I sent yeah. them an email, and then 15 minutes later, they were like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't tell you uh, why we banned you, but our decision is final. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it always. I mean, they make they make it sound like there's some some rules and regulations and that, it, that it's all fair and above board, but really all, everything is just a pretext, and they do what they what they deem fit to do at, at the time. At the time, they, they deem fit to do it. I mean, that's the, that's the behavior of the... The tech, uh, our, our tech overlords, uh, I think, uh, so, generally. So, so we've got a we've got a real outlaw here. Uh, on An the outlaw, that's yes, right. a real a real a real criminal, a man on the run. <laughs> um, and I have a history with. I think what got me on the naughty list was, you know, I have a history with the 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 group that's that's still, I guess, sort of sometimes referred to as the alt right, although that's that term seems to have. Uh, fallen into disuse and now it's just the dissident right or um or whatever else i can't you know whatever they're calling uh you know uh, these uh these bad thinkers uh that i'm that i've uh, hung out with or or been a part of or or what have you but you know i got my start like uh right on the internet writing for a, a, a site called the last ditch and it was a site that was uh, affiliated with the great uh catholic writer uh conservative catholic writer joseph sobran it was sort of um uh it, it was the same uh the same 
people that put him out that 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 uh, uh, that uh, the same imprint that 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 he wrote under was uh, this this other site which was run by uh, a guy who uh, was kind of a, a paleo libertarian slash race realist uh, so. This was, but this is going back to like 2003, so you know, early, early on, uh, into in the in the dissident osphere, I guess. Um, and then I, so I, I was writing for that site for a while, and then I, I started writing for Alternative Right when it first got started by Richard Spencer, and then actually, along with Colin Liddell, became became one of the editors of uh, Alternative Right. Uh, was uh, a regular did had a regular podcast that I did uh, with Richard and uh, and Colin, and then uh, all kinds of drama ensued. And I don't I don't want to go into all of it right now, but uh, you know Richard broke up. Richard ended up thinking that alt, the alt right was done back in 2013. So he he took the site down without saying that he was going without warning really, uh, mm -hmm. and so. So Colin and I started a new site uh, on Blogger, and uh, that was go that was going on for a little while. And meanwhile, while while I was contributing and editing these dissident sites, uh, I was also writing. I had a very uh, uh, I, I had a very productive time, uh, creatively speaking. Uh, between the years specifically of 2009 and maybe around 2014, I, I just, it was a time when, and you know, I, and, and I've always fancied myself a writer. I've, I've always thought that writing is the, my main, uh, my, my, my main vocation. It's the thing that I was, that I believe I was put here to do. Uh, it's one of the very few things that I'm good at. Uh, and so, so, um, but, but, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you're a writer yourself, you know, that inspiration can come and go and you're not, the, the muses are, aren't always singing to you, but, but I had a really, uh, a wonderful period of, of creative activity starting in 2009 or so. It started with the publication of my first book, Considering Suicide, which was published by a company called Nine Banded Books. Um, and that had been in the works for a while. I I'd completed it, but it kind of took a while to get published. But that that when that was released in 2009, I I somehow felt like I had, even though it was, you know, on a, it was a very low scale, you know, not not terribly conspicuous, you know, this very uh, off the beaten path, uh, uh, publishing house that, that published me. Nine, nine banded books. That's the publishing nine banded books. Correct. Yes. Uh, um, Chip Smith's, uh, 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 company, which is still around, uh, and worth, worth looking into for those yeah, who yeah, are interested. Yeah. Chip, Chip's a good guy and he's put out a lot of great books. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, so, but it was after that, I think that somehow it was, you know, I, th there was this boost that I got from feeling like now I've broken through in some way because I had, I had published with, with this, with this, uh, this book with nine, nine banded books. So I had, a, I, 
I was a published author and then I just started working with Alternative Right, which had this, at the time, around 2010, 2011, had this kind of burgeoning, it had this feel of a burgeoning movement uh, that, that uh, you know, I was in some way a part of, even though, you know, I, I, I didn't fit in perfectly with the standard uh, writer or uh, or reader, I think of it. You know, there were certain ways in which I was I was a little different, uh, but nevertheless, it, it was a group that that accepted me. And uh, you know, like um, there was there was a feeling that I was uh, you know among people who were were interested in in what I had to say, who were giving me a, ch- a shot, giving me a chance, uh, and. Uh, was getting you know positive feedback and so i think there was something in all of that 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 made me feel like okay i'm on my way and this was like uh again around 2010 and around this this time i had really started to uh research i i i had i had gotten into my head the idea of writing about columbine writing about the columbine massacre and I, I had uh, joined this uh, uh, this site that was a, like a, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? You know, you, I guess it's 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 like a a, a little bit a like form. a forum. Yeah, it was a forum. It was kind of like what Reddit is, uh, but it, but it was exclusively exclusively about Columbine, um, and so people from all over were, you know writing writing posts about columbine and arguing with each other about this aspect of it or that that aspect of it and so i got on that site you know got to know some of the people there um, made a couple of friends and it was around that time something clicked in my mind uh, about you know writing something writing a fiction uh work that was uh, based on or inspired by Columbine. Columbine was the was my muse because honestly, ever since it happened, in, you know, in in, uh, in 1999, it, it was a t- uh, you know a, an event of real fascination for me, and it was something that I felt uh, connected to in some way, just because you know I I understood. I think I understood the whole uh, feel of it, the whole notion of being uh, being uh, uh, being young and and feeling left out and feeling abused and picked on and and just not not wanting to take it anymore and and just you know even though that was you know I I was significantly older when Columbine happened uh, it it did it did connect with something in me. And so I, so I guess something had, had, had always been gestating within me, uh, creatively speaking, uh, based on Columbine, but it was in that year, 2010, that I started to put some ideas together and started, you know, putting pen to paper. Um, and it, took different shapes at different times. I mean, or, or when I started it out, I had a, I had a different idea of where it was going to go. And I, I, I talk about this in the afterward 
that uh, uh, that uh, you asked me to contribute for the new edition of of Columbine Pilgrim. Um, uh, I I talk about I, there in that in that afterward. I talk about how initially it just you know I've always been fascinated by cults and uh, by what motivates people to uh, the um, who see uh, uh, who don't see enough meaning in their lives, and they and so they have to embrace something uh, that's uh, that's new and challenging uh, in order to somehow make themselves feel more whole or more real or more uh, uh, to, to to feel that there's more meaning and resonance uh, in their lives. Um, you know, I think that the, the movie Fight Club, which coincidentally, maybe not coincidentally, came out the same year and maybe, you know, like a few months after Columbine, um, that was very much treading the same kind of territory that... that uh, uh, this this that, feeling of alienation that a lot of uh, young men felt. Yes, yes, exactly. This, this feeling of alienation, this feeling of being... Uh, uh, tied to uh, a, a meaningless existence um, and, and this uh, feeling of needing to, uh, I don't know, uh, needing to challenge oneself in a way that, 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 that uh, um, or, or needing to just do something. Um, uh, just you some, know, something, something to, to break out of the mold, something to kind some, of, Something to fulfill oneself and, and have a purpose. Yes, yes, something al- along those lines, and something radical, you know, something that's that uh, that is again that takes you out of your comfort zone, but that you know it's like it's something that you need to you feel you need to do. It's the same way a lot of the reason a lot of young men join the army, you know, and or, or uh, you know put themselves through you know boot camp or uh, um, you know those kinds of these kinds of extreme situations, you think that they, why would, why would that have any appeal to anyone whatsoever? And, but it is about uh, how, and I think it relates to masculinity and the fact that, you know, we live in a, uh, an emasculating uh, time period uh, where there's really no place for men doing manly things or, or the, the, or the place, the, the, the places for those kinds of things are, you know, relegated to the margins and uh you know, of course uh chuck polinick the author of fight club that seems to be his whole uh you know a, a big part of what motivates his whole uh uh everything that he writes writes about including fight club um uh so 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 anyway getting back to columbine i i initially thought i was going to write about kind of like this this weird religious cult that had sprung up around Columbine and uh, I, about, you know, these people who, who like would perform these kinds of rituals every year on April 20th, the, the day of the, of the massacre where they would be, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it was sort of like a combination of uh, like a, a tour of the, of the, uh, there was something that, that uh, really, kind of appealed to me about the idea this this morbid notion of uh, of touring uh columbine and, and stopping at these various places where 
here's where Eric and Dylan, the Columbine killers, you know, plotted. Uh, this is here's the here's the building that used to house the, the pizza restaurant where they both worked for a short time, and here's this, and here's that, and, and you know, all all with this kind of reference and this kind of like, oh, these are our these are our heroes, these are our gods, uh, you know, which is incredibly perverse, and that that was the whole uh, I think motivation for it was just this uh to profile this 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 group of people who were who who saw columbine this this the event the massacre at columbine high school uh as just this 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 matter of spiritual significance for them yeah Um, yes yes this is something that uh you know a lot of people don't want to you know you know contend with but uh the simple reality is that the Columbine shooters, to a lot of uh, you know disaffected young men and women, were almost seen as heroes in many ways. Uh, and the, and the uh, you know the treatment they got from uh, you know these individuals was kind of similar to what happens with like rock stars. You know, I remember years ago when I went on uh, my hitchhiking trip across the country, I I got uh, picked up in Seattle by a guy who was uh, retracing uh, the journey that Chuck Klosterman took in Killing Yourself to Live, which was, uh, that was a book where Klosterman went around to various sites in the U.S. where uh, famous rock stars had died to kind of like examine the, uh, uh, you know, the the relationship between rock music and death and whatnot. And when I was with this guy, we went to the, the, a little park outside uh, the house where Kurt Cobain shot himself. And there was uh, on the bench there. Uh, it might still be there. Who knows? But like, like they turned it into an impromptu shine to Kurt Cobain. There were all little notes scribbled on it. You know, right. uh, love yeah. flowers. Some a woman had even like taped her panties to it. You know, uh, yeah. to to a lot of uh, to a lot of young people. Uh, you know, the Columbine shooters had uh, that that same kind of appeal. Um, and you know, obviously, you know. Uh, Shootings are horrible. Shootings are, are, are terrible. You know, don't kill people. Mm-hmm. Killing people is bad. But the... <laughs> disclaimer. Social, yeah. A nice disclaimer to throw in there. We, we disavow all violence, YouTube. Uh, but the the motivations for uh, the Columbine shooters were something a lot of people could relate to. This, this abusive, psychotic environment in high schools mm-hmm. where, you know, people are bullied... Uh, these social hierarchies based around, uh, you know, abuse and uh, you know, these these psychotic power games and mean girls games, uh, yeah. you know, um, and people on the, some people on the margins are, are going to react to that violently and have reacted to that violently again and again and again. There's a, you know, their school shootings have become so commonplace that people don't even people treat them like people treat them like like natural disasters. Like, oh, there was a school shooting. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was a mass shooting. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Wow, what's uh, what's on what's on TV tonight? Yeah, yeah, that's that's almost become the case now. I think in, in with in the case of Columbine, it was before people had quite gotten grown that numb to it. I think there had been a couple of other shootings around the period, but that was at the time it was like uh, you know this was seen as some huge thing, I mean, and it was uh, it was everywhere. It was a sensation uh, across the the country and across the world um, in some ways. So I felt motivated to, as I said, to write about it. Uh, and I, at, like I said, at first it was just going to be this, this, uh, I, I didn't exactly know what shape it would take, but that it would, 
revolve around this cult, uh, this Columbine cult, which uh, which had sprung up concerning uh, you know the, the events of April twentieth, uh, nineteen ninety nine, in uh, at Columbine High School. But eventually, it became something. Dare I say more? personal, quote unquote, and I want to put that in quotes, uh, because I ended up uh, creating uh, a narrator who was, for for me, I guess the, the, the times when I've been writing, when I've been actively writing fiction, oftentimes, uh, I think so, I think two real uh, literary influences for me are uh, Poe and Dostoevsky, and both of those writers have this way of creating these characters who are uh, who are extreme uh, and who um, who you get the impression, you know, it's it's sort of like the the uh, you get the feeling that the author is living vicariously through these characters these these characters, but the characters themselves are so, uh, so far beyond, you know, what, what, uh, they would actually, actually do, uh, in their own lives, but maybe it's what they would do if they had, you know, suddenly no limits to their behavior. If they really gave free reign to themselves, to their darkest side, uh, you know, the side of them that, that feels put down or put upon or, or angry and, and uh, uh, you know, plots it's, terrible yeah, it's, revenge. It's basically just a, like a bizarre form of wish, wish fulfillment. It is, it is, there, there is a catharsis element to it. Um, and so I ended up uh, with this, this guy, this narrator, this first person narrator in the first part of the book, he's the first person narrator and his name is Tony Meander. And that, that name was actually based on some, uh, a boy that I knew in elementary school, um, although it, it's, was, it's changed slightly, but that was the inspiration for the name. So Tony Meander is a, uh, is a young man who is obsessed with Columbine and who is making a pilgrimage to Columbine, hence the name of the title, hence the title of the book, The Columbine Pilgrim. That's Tony Meander. And uh, the first part of the book uh, involves uh, Tony's uh, experiences uh, at uh, while he's making this pilgrimage, and also there's the, a, a shadow of the element of what the book was first going to be about because he ends up uh, getting picked up uh, by by uh, the door. This this uh, guy driving this uh, you know this this bus uh, of uh, of other Columbine enthusiasts, and he takes them through, uh, uh, through through Littleton, Colorado, and through various places, and you know, both of the killers' houses, and and uh, the places where they worked, and here's where they uh, here's where they recorded the basement tapes, and this, that, and the other thing, and so you kind of get into this world of the kind of people that I who are just fanatical about. Uh, this event, and also through a series of flashback sequences, you uh, see a bit of Tony Meander's life, uh, particularly in high school, and the abuse he suffered, the bullying he suffered, uh, the humiliation that he suffered, um, and uh, 
this was the, you know this was like um i don't know almost almost a decade before people started talking about incels uh you know but but uh i guess you could say tony meander is a kind of proto incel character in some ways yeah yeah i mean it, it's worth it's worth pointing out like like you know incels are, are having a moment uh you know uh, we we've uh we've uh you know uh, we we had Joker the movie a couple of months uh, uh, ago, and and you've you've you know compared you know the yeah. Combine Pilgrim to Joker. We've got uh, the rise of uh, you know musicians who are talking about like uh, incel subjects like you know Egg White and Shooter. You know uh-huh. the, you had like Shooter's song uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World ruined an, an entire generation of women that went viral over the summer. Um, mm. You know, as as my friend Maz put it, you know, incels are the new rock stars. You know, it's something that a lot yeah. of men can relate to now, and it's something that is in the public consciousness now. And you were kind of, uh, in many ways, the the OG of all that. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. Um, and um, and so so the 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 first part of the book again is is about his experiences and uh, at Columbine making this pilgrimage uh and uh and then the second part of the book is uh is written from a different point of view it's written from a third person point of view and that's when you find out what uh what tony meander ended up doing uh and the the revenge that he took against his past tormentors um and so that's why when you when you brought up joker uh a moment ago you know, I, and I loved Joker. I, I mean, when I saw it, I, 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 I've seen it several times. But when I saw it, um, you know, uh, on on its opening night uh, back in early October, I thought to myself, "This movie is the Columbine." I wrote this. I wrote this movie like uh, ten years ago, and it was called the Columbine Pilgrim. And it was, you know, my of course my uh, my. Uh, my book is is a lot more fucked up than than uh, oh, yeah. Joker. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 limits to what you can get away with on on the screen, obviously. Yeah, but both I books mean, but, are but yeah. both works are basically about like the same thing. You have an alienated loner who has uh, you know no real social connections and is basically abused by everyone around him, who right. goes out and and takes his his revenge. You know, and, and, and Joker, you know, made a, you know, a lot of people uncomfortable when, you know, uh, uh, should we say a lot of uh, idiots uncomfortable, a lot of paid chills uncomfortable uh, yeah. because, you know, a lot as, of as I, check marks. yeah, as, as I, as I, as I put it, as I put it in my review, it's, uh, you know, the main character, Arthur Fleck, he's not an admirable person. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to be in love with the guy by the end of the movie, but you clearly see, uh, you know, what happened to him and what made him go take the route that he chose you know he's he's uh he's not like a he's not a psychopath he's not a he's not a he's not a complete lunatic who just kills people indiscriminately everyone he goes after in the movie is someone who wronged him in some way usually some stupid and petty kind of way you know and you get that same you know vibe from you know the protagonist of your book tony meander you know the people he goes after are the people who abused him, the people who yes. mistreated him. Yes. Um, and I guess, you know, like revenge fantasies aren't, it's not like that's anything new, but, but there was some, there, there, there's something just when I saw Joker, it was like, wow, there's something in the whole feel of it, the whole vibe of it, the whole, 
the character arc of uh, Arthur Fleck slash Joker uh, that that was so uh, that so much reminded me of of the Columbine Pilgrim that uh, I, I I just it was noteworthy to me and I did make a note of it. I thought I thought to myself, this means something. Um, there's something in the air, you know. This and the fact that it's it connected, you know, with a lot of people and and did did so well uh, and you know uh, was uh, you know became this this huge hit. Um, I thought I think there's of course some of it is just you know the that it, that it was controversial and people just wanted to check it out and see what was going on, but I think it really resonated with a lot of people and uh, and so. So it was just uh, it was just an interesting thing to to take note of. Um, so that was the Columbine Pilgrim, and I I completed it in 2010. I made my own pilgrimage to Columbine. Um, it was nowhere near as eventful as Tony Meander's pilgrimage, although through a through a streak of of luck, I actually got to see the interior of the school because. The, the time I for the time I was there, they happened to be in a, a talent show, which was open to the public. So, so it was really uh, I really kind of felt blessed by that, you know, having happening to be there because at the time I was really, you know, when you're a writer, you have uh, I, I believe for me anyway, you have certain muses that that inspire you, whether it's a whether it's it's an event, whether it's a person can be different things at different times. In this case, you know, I, I was so uh, so heavily immersed in Columbine, you know, talking to other Columbine, uh, other people who were fascinated with it. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we were, we would watch things like the, the, the videotapes that Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold made uh, when they were in some video class um, and, uh, and so whether some of them were, you know, set in the halls next to the lockers. And, and so when I was inside the school, you know, it was just amazing to walk through and see, oh, wow, that's where the library was, where, where most of the most of the terrible violence took place. Most of the kids who, who were murdered, that it took place in the library and they had just stripped it. They, they'd taken it down. They just knocked it, knocked it down. But you could see where it where it was. Um, and so it was, it was, a, it was just uh, almost a surreal feeling to be walking through those halls and uh, seeing those things that you would see in these videotapes uh, from, you know, several years before. And, uh, and, uh, you know, again, it made it, it, it uh, I was mostly finished with the book by then, but, but that made it uh, more, Help, that helped me put the finishing touches on it. And, yeah, it helped you. It helped you visualize the environment that this that this took place in. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and even even getting to know the geography of the area. I mean, it's it's so beautiful. And I don't know if you've ever been to the area. Like, I guess it's suburban Denver, but uh, I've been was, I've been I've been to Denver, but I haven't seen much of it. Yeah, um, it, it's it's stunning. Um, just the, the Rocky mountains all in distance. And, um, at least for the time I was there, it was just, it was a, a magical time for me. So, um, 
so anyway, I finished up this manuscript. I was so excited about it. I, I mean, I, I was so, uh, but I was also kind of, um, it also kind of frightened me because the, the, the events that take place in the, in the book are, you know, it's like, I, I didn't really want it to go there. It went, it went a couple of places that were really messed up and, uh, and I, you know, I knew it had to go in that direction. I knew these things had to happen. I knew Tony Meander had to do these, these various things that he did, but, uh, I was, you know, it, it kind of freaked me out at the same time. Uh, and so that, that, that added to the, that added to the sort of excitement of having written it because it was almost, I was, it's not so often that you're freaked out. You're, 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 uh, uh, terrified by your own by something that, that you've created um and uh, so i i just so it was it was an incredible experience writing that that work um and um i was fortunate enough to get to get it published uh at the time i think it was early in 20, uh, 2011 um uh greg johnson of countercurrents uh, exp you know, I sent the, the manuscript to him, and he expressed interest in it. I think I had, uh, I think I maybe contributed contributed a couple of. Uh, um, um, I had written maybe maybe a little bit for him, and uh, on a couple of occasions, and I'd written for uh, some other places, but mostly I think it, I was I had, you know become known in this subculture, this alt right subculture uh, for for being part of alt. The, the website alternative right.com um, so so Greg Johnson published it in 2011 um, and uh, and then uh, so so it, it was and I had, and then I uh, I published a couple of other things with uh, countercurrents Greg Johnson's imprint uh, a couple of other fiction works under the Nile was uh, I, I published in late 2011. And my short story collection, Lost Violent Souls, I published in 2013. Uh, but like, but last year, uh, because of the uh, because of politics, and again, I don't want to get into. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is a. This I don't want to get into all of the shows. A drama free zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to stay out of the drama, but unfortunately, I got. I got subsumed in in it unwittingly, uh, and um, because I was, I don't know, friends or allies or uh, because there there were there were parties that were in dispute and and I because I had certain people that I was friends with who uh, who Greg was not uh, not fond of at this time. Uh, he he decided to unpublish. He decided to to take my books out of his uh, his stable. Um, of, uh, of publication. So, so, uh, so then uh, it was, so that was, I think in, tw in 2018 uh, that that happened. And then it wasn't long after that I heard from you, right? Or, or maybe you could fill in the details. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, what happened was, uh, it was actually earlier this year, I remember. Uh, what happened was uh, last uh Last year was when I launched Terror House Magazine um, with the intent of, you know, eventually starting a book publisher. Um, I did right. contact you to tell you about the site. And uh, sometime afterwards, you you uh, mentioned to, to me that uh, 
Uh, one of your other books, uh, Heart Killer, which had been published right. by ER Books, had been uh, that had been out of print for a while, and you were interested in uh, uh, having me republished it. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I'd love to." Um, hmm. And uh, and uh, since since then, uh, we've uh, uh, you know you've also you also approached me. Well, I think I asked you about republishing this Malignant Mirage, which was uh, another short story collection you put out of ER, right. ER Books. And then when Countercurrents took your books out of print, you came to me with Columbine Pilgrim and, and all that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it's uh, uh-huh. uh, one, 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 one man's trash is another man's treasure. And, and Andy Newey yes. is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is truly a, a treasure for the reading public. Um, mm, and after many, uh, you know, mishaps and miscalculations and whatnot, Terror House Press is finally here. And we're finally bringing it back. We're bringing, we're bring, we're bringing all of uh, Andy's great works back uh, for your enjoyment. Yes, and uh, I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, really thrilled uh, to have it back, and um, uh, with a with a new cover uh, that I'm looking forward to. You sh- you showed me uh, before we talked. You showed me what it looks like possibly is going to be. Yes, uh, uh, a new cover that's I'll, being developed. I will throw this in the link in the in, in the in the description for those of you listening to this. Um, our art director Matt Lawrence uh, already posted the uh, cover in progress on his Twitter page, so uh, it's 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 look it's looking pretty sharp. It's it's definitely an upgrade over the the previous cover, which was uh, you know not very eye catching. Right now, I didn't. I I never I never said anything about it at the time because I, I when it first was published, I was just excited to have published um but yeah the the cover from countercurrents was was never that great i didn't i didn't think i thought the ones for my later books were for under the nile and uh, uh lost violent souls were better but but uh, i was never really taken with the columbine pilgrim cover so i look forward to the new cover also there will be a a uh, forward or an introduction as i i believe penned by my partner the man I call my partner in thought crime, Colin Liddell, um, and an afterword by me where I, I talk a little bit more about what all went into the writing of, of the book. So, so those, I guess that th- this is sort of my pitch to those who, who bought the initial copy, maybe that, like why, why you maybe want to shell out a few more bucks just to, to get the second edition because it's got these these new features as well. Also, my also my eagle eye is going over the manuscript to make sure there aren't any typos. So, um, if there are yeah. any typos in the original, um, they're going to be gone now. You know, because good, I'm just good. so good at my I'm just so damn good at my job. Uh, to 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 kind of talk, dig a, dig in a bit more about the uh, the themes of uh, uh, the Columbine Pilgrim. Uh, you know, I I mean I. I, I I obviously didn't pursue the subject to the same depth that you did, but I have had an interest in these, like these school shooting type, uh, you know, events. And mm-hmm. you know, to, to go to go back specifically to to Columbine, uh, as you said, it was it was the first like really match uh, school shooting of its type, you know, uh, before before it became a, a routine thing. And yeah. and the thing is, like people 
well, people still don't know how to react to it, but they really didn't know how to react to Columbine. You know, everything was blamed. You know, first they blamed the parents. You know, then, mm-hmm. you know, it came out in the video diaries that both, uh, you know, Eric uh, Harris and Dylan Clyde, they, they actually apologized to their parents in their video diaries. Um, I believe one of them even quoted Shakespeare. He said, good wounds have borne bad mm-hmm. sons. You know, then they tried blaming video games and they tried blaming, you know, you know, heavy metal. Uh, right. They tried Very blaming handsome. everything except like the one thing that uh, was the most obvious cause, which is Columbine High School, uh, mm-hmm. which apparently at the time and probably still does. I haven't I haven't read a, a, up about what it's like recently. Had just this really uh, abusive culture of, of bullying, where um, you know the 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 higher class students, uh, the ones who were involved in athletics, just had like a free reign to. Uh, to just just beat up anyone they wanted, abuse anyone mm-hmm. they wanted, and the administration didn't do anything. I remember, um, I believe it, it, I'll, I'll put a link to this in the description. Uh, the writer Mark Ames uh, wrote about this uh, back in the two thousands. There was this one particular uh, wrestling student whose name I think was Rocky Hofschneider, um, who was attending Columbine at the same time as the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Clybold and Harris. And this guy was a was just a, an absolute monster. Of people like uh, he would um, he would abuse girls, beat up his girlfriend. Uh, there was like one Jewish kid that he tormented and you know shoved his face in the locker, screaming "another Jew in the oven." And this guy never got punished for anything because he was a star, uh, you know, member of of the wrestling team. You had this culture uh, where. Uh, People were just allowed to get kids were just allowed to get bullied relentlessly, and the administration never did anything about it. Um, either because they were they didn't want to take any action, or because the students were like like jocks or something, and you know the, the administration wanted to go out of its way to please them. Mm-hmm. And um, in the second part of, of uh, the book, I ha- I you know when. When my character uh, does something similar, I don't want to give too much away, but but uh, but it's he 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 commits a brutal and violent uh, act, um, which which makes many, which which creates many casualties of many kinds. There is this I I you know sort of try to reflect the same kind of hand wringing response that people had to had to Columbine and the way, the way that there was just like the, 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 uh, the way that certain, uh, certain pundits or certain, uh, uh, scolds, uh, you know, would, uh, would see certain things as the problem and, and refuse to focus on other things as, as a problem. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not meaning to, uh, to justify any, any kind of behavior like this, of course, but, um, but sometimes it's like, you know, you, you get, you get so many, and and we saw it with Joker as well, you know, you, you, and it used to be the ironic thing. The funny thing is it used to be something that, that, uh, people on the so-called right would, would more often do that, you know, like, uh, like, um, observers of the social scene who, who ostensibly were conservatives would say, Oh, this, you know, these violent video games or these, this, these, uh, these, these smutty movies or, or, 
or you know or the like the like in the 80s the 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 people who wanted the people in washington who wanted to put warning labels on music and stuff it was more of a conservative right-wing thing in the during the reagan era uh during the 80s but now today it's it's like it's become this sjw liberal left thing uh but it's it, but it's almost exactly the same kind of uh, hand wringing hysteria hysterical um, you know anti uh, uh, anti free speech uh, censorious kind of attitude like what like we saw in their reaction in the reactions of many to the Joker movie and uh, like we've seen with their reactions to other other things in the arts as well that don't necessarily follow the party line but but the behavior the similarity in behavior is so striking just how uh and and uh and now that like you were saying incels are this are the scapegoat the so-called incel uh subculture um and uh uh it's and they're and and 4chan you know instead of blaming video games and uh heavy metal music now it's now it's incels and 4chan but it's it's the same kind of just uh, unthinking, unreflective, reactive um, uh, kind of censorious uh, response. That you know, it's 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 just I you know I'm old enough now to to have lived through times where uh, where I where I saw this where I have been able, where I have seen people respond in this kind of way from both sides of the political aisle. Um, it's really interesting to take note of that. I think it maybe depends on uh, who has the upper hand in the culture, you know, who has the power. Like, unfortunately, I think that people tend to get more censorious when they get, when they feel, when they smell blood in the water and when they want to, when they feel like they can, they maybe have the power to control everything. And so, when, when some when some book or movie or song or whatever some piece of art sounds a, a dissonant note, then they 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 get that uh, um, they feel like you know they, they they get on their high horse and they feel like it's it's up to them and up to the all the righteous thinking people to clamp down on these things and so the more things change the more they stay the same um, and. Uh, so that that's yeah. So we we saw it with Columbine and and we saw it with uh, uh, the, well, and now we saw the Joker and other things as well. Well, my 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 take on it is uh, part of the reason like like incels are getting scapegoated and all these people want to resort to uh, censorship instead of confronting the actual reason why these shootings happen is because the same type of people who are calling for that censorship, who are calling for that you know engaging in that demonization are the kinds of people who in high school were creating that social environment. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you remember the, the Parkland shooting that occurred nearly you know, two, two years ago when yeah. uh, down in Florida, uh, it was revealed shortly after the shooting that uh, you know, David Hogg, uh, you know, Emma Gonzalez, and those other uh, kids who decided to become activists for gun control uh, yeah. Prior to the shooting, they admitted that they had been bullying Nicholas Cruz. They were they were making fun of him on social media. They were making fun of him in school. Um, mm-hmm. And again, 
you know, disclaimer, you know, we disavow violence, don't kill people, killing's bad. But you have uh, a bunch of drama club faggots um, who are being mean and catty and abusive to someone. Uh, Yeah. And then after there's there's a reaction to to what uh, what they do, then they act like they're the victims. You know, they, yeah, they're exactly. the you know, you know they're the uh, oh god, how did this happen? You know, uh, how you know it's so horrible. These shootings are horrible. We need gun control. You know, even though they had spent months upon months just just driving this guy to the to the brink of madness. And yeah, and there's a real there's a dark side to what's now gotten to be called virtue signaling. Like, you know, we, we tend to think of it as just, Oh, people posturing and, you know, to, to, to show how righteous they are. But the dark side of it is that I think virtue signaling can be a kind of bully. Like uh, you, uh, you want, uh, particularly I've seen this happen with, with so-called incels, like how uh, it, it becomes uh and, and and you know I've I've done a little bit of uh, I've written a little bit about about the incel issue lately and listened to other things uh, other other people talk about it listened to uh, Nama Cates's very interesting um, podcast called Incel uh, which I recommend to everyone um, it, it's like there's there's this way in which the bullies become these righteous people these self righteous sanctimonious people. Uh, come to embody the very kind of cruelty and and hatred and and meanness that, that they're supposed to be against that they think that they're against by when they do their virtue signaling um, and so that's all that's all a part of the you know the crazy age that we're living in um, but it's it's definitely um, and that was, you know, so, something that was sort of starting to take place around the time that I wrote the Columbine Pilgrim as well. So I think some of that, you know, we, we have in that book we have uh, a, a, a kid who gets bullied who eventually uh, takes revenge against his bullies, and then we have the response of uh, the society that, uh, well, I mean, what like uh, like Arthur said, you know what. Uh, a society that that uh, that treats it. What do you do when you com- when you mix up the? Uh, what do you social- get when you uh, <laughs> when you when you combine a mentally ill loner with a society that abuses him and treats him like trash? Right. You get what you, you get. fucking deserve. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's it's coming to it's coming to pass. I mean that's that's what we're seeing, and uh, and yet like people don't learn their lessons. They don't, they don't learn. Well, we should, that, that, that's ironically, I mean, in a way, ironically, what, what Joker is all about. It's about the power of, and even the director, Todd Phillips said this, it's a, it's a movie about the power of kindness. And I, I thought that was a brilliant way of phrasing it because you don't see much kindness in the, in the movie, um, you know, either from, at the, you know, you don't see it from the people who are, who are hounding Arthur uh, and, and making his life miserable, and then you don't see it from Arthur afterwards when he, when he sort of uh, loses it and 
Well, becomes the Joker. You, 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 see, you see flashes of it here and there. Like, there's the famous scene where, you know, uh, uh, two of his co-workers come over to his apartment and he kills one of them. And he doesn't kill yeah. the midget because right. the midget was the only employee, uh, co-worker of his who never, you know, bullied him or abused him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That That's true. That That's that's a good example of of uh, the exception and, to and, that rule. And when I, when, I, when I reviewed Joker, like, I noted that, like, I... I haven't looked too much into like the mechanics of like you know how the the movie got made, but I really think whoever wrote the script did their homework on how these shootings have unfolded. Uh, you know, uh, if you've read Mark Ames's book Going Postal, which is about the history of spree shootings, workplace shootings in the, the U.S., uh, you know, everyone tries to 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 kind of demonize these guys as just like oh they're psychos they just kill people randomly. But if you actually look at the the patterns of, of uh, at, at least you know back when the book was written, this was written in two thousand five, I think, uh, the patterns of how these shoot, shootings unfail, uh, un, unfolded, uh, the shooters, the the school shooters, the workplace shooters, they would they would target people who had actively like made their lives hell, and they would spare those who hadn't harmed them. Uh, mm-hmm. The first. Uh, uh, one of the examples he gives is uh, the sh- mass shooting uh, at Standard Gravore in Louisville, Kentucky in 1989 by uh, Joseph uh, Westbecker. Uh, that was the first uh, spree shooting that didn't occur at a, at a post office. You know, For the kids there, the reason why spree shootings used to be called going postal was because they started happening at post offices. That was the first right. shooting that happened at, a, at another type of workplace. Um, Wes Becker was a, uh, you know, uh, an employee at this company who was you know, noted for, you know, being a loyal employee. He was a hard worker. You know, he, you know, he, you know, he was always productive. He wasn't, you know, he, he was by all means a standout employee, but his employers repeatedly cut his pay. They, you know, cut his vacation time, you know, and um, as, as part of his job, he worked a machine called the folder, which gave off toxic fumes that, uh, his doctors told him were actively harming his health, and so he requested a transfer off of it because you know he needed it, and they denied it mm-hmm. to him just just because. Um, mm-hmm. And when Wesbecker finally decided to go and shoot up his workplace, um, he deliberately spared the employees who had been kind to him, the ones who mm-hmm. uh, you know were his friends, and he only shot the people who were uh, who had harmed him. And right. I think on a gut level, the people who are screeching about this violence, you know, and, and trying to assign it to like blaming incels, video games, you know, the, the alt-right, 4chan, whatever. I think on a mm-hmm. certain level, they know this, which is part of what terrifies them. The idea that, you know, spree shootings as reprehensible, you know, as they mm-hmm. are, they operate on a form of justice. They operate on a form of, of fairness, it's right. a it's a perverse form of, of justice, but it's a there's a logic to it all the same. That's what kind of horrifies them. The idea that the people who die in these spree shootings may have done something to deserve it, and in many cases did. And by the way, that's yeah. a, that's a that, that is not an endorsement of violence. Right, right. No, and that that was my my hunch about why people uh, the 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 critics, the blue checkmark people, the you know the the uh, cultural commissariat uh, in general, why so many of them were opposed to Joker, why they, why so many of them hated it and thought it was awful and, and uh, 
talked it down so much was the same my my speculation and it is you know again just speculation but it's something that i i have a strong suspicion is true that uh, they they uh, sense the same thing that what you're talking about that uh uh you know if if true justice were to be meted out against those who were you know treating others badly uh, the way that the way that arthur slash joker does in in the movie in the same way that tony meander does in the columbine pilgrim um then uh they 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 feel themselves i think on some level indicted uh and uh, and so they react they react with this kind of self-righteous sanctimony against it that's and, and and they virtue signal against it as a way of trying to counteract the fact that they are uh that they are indicted that that uh that, that their own their own sins are being uh are being broadcast to the world in in a way uh because they're they're the ones who are uh in one way or another tormenting uh or uh you know, otherwise um, treating badly the the true socially marginalized, uh, like the incels and like like other people who, you know, you're just it's you just sort of invited to have free reign on, uh, you know, uh, being as mean as possible, being as insulting as possible, being as as uh, as cruel uh, as you feel like being. The, the kind of ways in which you know just getting back on the incel topic for a minute you know i've the things i've i've noted online especially not that you know and, and i i recently got off twitter and i'm never going back uh, i think twitter brings out the worst in in people uh, as out of all social media it's probably the the the, the awfulest and the most vicious uh, place and that's saying something but but the way that they would just you know uh, just like gang up on certain uh, certain people, uh, and especially, uh, you know, <laughs> you say incels are rock stars and, there, and there's like a truth to that because in a way, you know, the, the ones who are the most, uh, uh, most vilified also attain this kind of, uh, the, this kind of allure in, in a strange sort of way. Um, but, but the, 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 the thing that they would that some people just feel okay getting away with saying to somebody who they claim to be an incel or claim to be a this or a that uh, you know the way that so many of the you, you know it was something I something that I that I noted that I still note about the uh, the 2016 election in the United States the the people who voted for Trump, didn't generally think that the people who voted for Hillary are bad people necessarily. They think they maybe they thought they were stupid. They thought they were uh, misinformed uh, and, and, you know, and they found them annoying, but the, the, the way that the, the way that so many of the Hillary voters thought about not just Trump, but people, anybody who voted for Trump, like they could only be the worst possible people and like that, that somehow justified them being just, just behaving in this, uh, in this absolutely disgusting way, uh, toward them. Um, you're, it's you're just literal, sort of a, you're literal Nazis. You're literal Nazis. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's part of what 
has made things so crazy over the last three or four years. And it's part of what eventually led to you and I getting banned from Facebook, even though you had, as you say, had, had uh, deleted everything, all of your comments and taken all of your pictures down and they still banned you. And, and for me, you know, I, I was, I hadn't done anything, you know, uh, beyond the pale. I was just, I was just there, you know, making comments and posting pictures and kind of ha and having fun. And suddenly, you know, because I'm on the naughty list, I'm gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the other deplatforming as well. You know, I've been banned from Twitter. I've been banned from, I haven't banned from YouTube yet, but you know, I've, I've had to take most of my videos offline due to a concerted attempt to get me taken off there. I even had yeah. my website deplatformed uh, a few months ago, though I was able to, you know, fix that by getting on a new uh, uh, web host provider. You know, and it's all justified because, well, we're engaging in hate speech, Andy. We're we're yeah. haters. Uh, yes. we're, we're 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 horrible people who just just we 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 hate the LGBT. We hate cripples, and we 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 just want to pour bile out into the world. That justifies our. Uh, our uh repression yeah you know yeah. that's that's certainly not going yeah and in the case of incels it's like you're already you you've got a group of people who are already like incel again these are people who are defined by their inability to to find a woman you know the in, mm -hmm. inability to find companionship which is something yes. most people want most people yeah. don't want to be alone most people want to be you know with someone uh right. and you're taking a group of people who have already been you know you know, left out in that regard, and you're demonizing yeah. them even further. You know, it's it's, right. it's 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 really a case of kicking down. Yes, exactly. That's what uh, one of them said. One of the more articulate uh, self-proclaimed incels one time. So why are you kicking me when I'm already down? And that's that's uh, that sums it up perfectly. But unfortunately, that's you know, that's the way. Uh, uh, that's the dark side of so much of human behavior. You know, people are, people want to be with the, want to align themselves with the strong. And when they s smell blood in the water, they go after the ones who are, who are bleeding. And it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's really quite deplorable. It's quite awful, but, um, yeah. but yeah. you know, we gotta, we gotta draw attention to it and, and, uh, make, uh, just, and I think that uh, again, I, I, I thought, uh, that uh, Joker did that brilliantly, um, and uh, and dare I say, I think the Columbine Pilgrim does it pretty brilliantly too. I I'm, I I say that too, and it's not just because I'm publishing the book, though that's part of it. Uh, to, to kind of the kind of uh, you know uh, circle circle back around uh, the fact that a lot of people are are taking interest in this and and can relate to it is like both. It's good in the sense that you know it's great to finally see these issues being discussed and talked about, but it's also not good because it means uh, that social dysfunction is so widespread that like large swathes of the the population can can now you know relate to it. You know, yeah. I mean, going back to like you know the whole thesis of, of of bullying in like high school. You know, I like. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna go and you know claim that I was like horribly bullied in high school. I I wasn't, you know. I, I don't, um, but I was I was socially ostracized, and I'll, I'll freely admit that part of this was due to myself. You know, I was you know I I I, I, I was I wasn't some misunderstood genius in high school. I was I was a fucking weirdo. You know, I'll, I'll admit that I was a very very uh, you know 
socially awkward person. And I wasn't like mm-hmm. physically beat up or anything. Like I, well, I went to a private Catholic high school. Uh, that's, uh, you know, you don't do that kind of thing there. I, I did have that, that, that kind of trouble in elementary school, but not in, in high school. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, but I can, I, but you know, the, the, the ostracism I did receive was something I, I could, I could relate to. I, I, when, when the revelation about the, the Parkland kids bullying Nicholas Cruz came out, I did a podcast on this where I, I kind of, I, I kind of talked about the, the social atmosphere, uh, that I that I dealt with in, in high school. Um, what, one interesting thing I noted is like uh, is that uh, it was actually not the jocks who gave me trouble. I was on pretty good terms with like the dudes who played football and stuff. You know, it was the people the people who gave me the most amount of trouble were like the drama club faggots, the the yeah. weirdos who were always uh, you know having sex with each other and you know playing all these weird power games. Uh, um, oh, drama people. Actors, they're the worst. I mean, I and I was in a, you know, I I was among them. I was in a lot of plays and stuff uh, in high school and in college. But th- yeah, they're they're they they're they're, they're very old. they're very catty and, and manipulative. And uh, one of the things I said was, uh, and again, I have to preface this by saying we're not endorsing violence. Uh, the kind of environment where you can't really. Uh, I, I I don't want to sound like I'm endorsing that kids should go out and like physically fight each other, but in a way that's kind of easier to you know that kind of makes things easier. You know, like my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one incident I talked about of bullying in, in elementary school was uh, there was a there was this kid in uh, my ele- elementary school this this three hundred pound uh, you know uh, half black kid uh, who'd been held back a couple of grades who like tormented me and tormented a bunch of, you know, other kids, you know, stole my crayons and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I fought him a few times on the, uh, on the playground. Um, I mysteriously escaped being punished, uh, for that because this is, this is back when they started, you know, implementing that rule where like, even if you're defending yourself in a fight, you still get, uh, you still get punished because, you know, violence is wrong. I think yeah. in part because, uh, the administrators knew that I was in the right and this kid was yeah. basically, you know, no one could punish him because uh, uh, he was actually related to the mayor of the city. He was related to the mayor of Syracuse, who uh, really? as, a, as yes, yes, as a, as an addendum, that mayor uh, ended up serving in the Bush administration. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 but but dealing with him was was kind of easy because it's like okay, okay, retard. Uh, you want to fuck around with me? Well, well, let's sell this on the playground. You know, it's. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Let's 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 sell, let's sell this mano a mano, uh, mm-hmm. but you can't. But I, you know, obviously I couldn't do that in high school. You can't respond to someone who's gossiping about you and and being a dick by just punching them in the face. That 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 was that was grounds for expulsion or at the very minimum, like you know, yeah. detention or or whatever. Um, right. And those kinds of people are privileged in uh, high school, and and in many ways they're privileged in society. They're the ones who end up going into, you know, working for Vox or HuffPo or whatever. They're the ones who end up going into media. They set the agenda, and they can just you know perpetuate that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, do do you have any other theories on why that's just kind of this this whole? This 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 incel culture is something mo- many people can relate to. How how did it be- how it became so so widespread to the point where we can now have like a major motion picture, you know, discussing it and it's a huge hit. Mm-hmm. People can, you know, people people talking about how it changed their lives and stuff. Um, I mean, it's complicated. I you know, and I don't 
I don't, um, you know, I, I've paid attention to to in to people who embrace the incel label and talk about the black pill. And I'm not, I should say, I'm not really down with everything about that whole philosophy and that whole perspective. I'm, I'm uh, I think there's, a, there are some problems with it, but as to, as to what caused this, what, what made this come about? I mean, you know, people talk that like there have been cultural commentators who have, you know, uh, who have discussed the, you know, the role of feminism in all of this, and the hypergamy and the 80, 20 rule and, and all these kinds of things, which, uh, probably, uh, you know, come into play a bit more and, and, uh, oh, and, and, and in fact, these are the sort of things I was, I was writing. I mean, I haven't, I haven't written fiction for a while, but what's preoccupied me for the last couple of years, uh, are, um, well, the, like I said, the incel question has, has been, an, has been a matter of interest to me. And I also wrote a series of, of uh, shorter works uh, called uh, Ruminations of a Low Status Male. And both of those works, both the, um, both the Ruminations of a Low Status Male and my incel work, which is called A Final Solution to the Incel Problem, um, the title that raises some eyebrows, of course, but it's meant to be hyperbolic. Um, but I think a lot of what what I cover there, what I talk about there is, is, uh, how I think with the, I mean, I trace it back to the sexual revolution. I trace it back to the erosion of monogamy as the norm. Um, I think that when, when you had a kind of enforced monogamy, I'm quoting Dr. Jordan Peterson there. I think he was right when he said that, uh, um, when there was a when there when a monogamy was enforced as a norm, you didn't have this kind of situation where, you know, the top, uh, uh, like where this this eighty twenty rule situation where you know with with hypergamy being unleashed with feminism, uh, you know, you have uh, um, more women pursuing only. The very very high status men uh, and the low, the lower or even mid status, even average type of men feeling left out in the cold. Uh, and uh, you know the kind of if you ever peruse dating sites, uh, if you ever, I don't know why you would want to, but uh, maybe just as a, you know, just right. as a yeah. I was I was on Tinder last night while I was waiting to go see Star Wars. So yeah, I, I get it. Uh, well, there you go. That's the perfect example. Yeah. Um, and I've, I admit I've gotten on Tinder before and looked at it just, just to see what it's like, see what it's all about. And, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's so grim. It's so depressing. Um, what, what things are like right now. Uh, and, and I think again, a lot of it goes down a lot of it for me. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to listen to other people's ideas about this. I might, I might be wrong, but but I think for me, what it, a lot of it revolves around the uh, the sexual revolution and the erosion of monogamy as as the norm. Because when monogamy was the norm, you would have uh, you know uh, it was enough for a man to simply you know uh, be a good man who has a job who who uh, you know back in the 
forties and fifties or whatever, you could, you could have a, have a, uh, you know, a mid-level type job. And that would be still enough to, to live on, even to raise a family on. And, and, uh, um, and, you know, you could, uh, and, uh, um, and women were not just in, you know, they weren't just always told you go girl, you can do no wrong. You're a princess, but they were told, okay, find a good man. Uh, when you find him, then, then, uh, you know, uh, marry him, be true to him, you know, raise his, raise his kids. Not that all women have to be like that. You know, not that, not that everybody has to be in a straitjacket. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but just that when that was more the norm, I think that, uh, we had a, we had a better functioning society than we do now. And, and uh, so much of the social chaos that we have now, including the incel issue, I would trace back to, uh, the erosion of monogamy. And it's so ironic because, you know, the, the sexual revolution was advertised as this, oh, well now, you know, we've been held back, we've been repressed, and now we can, we'll be able to, to, to satisfy all our desires and you can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with, with no judgment. And, and uh, you know, you'll truly be fulfilled. And so, you know, the average, the average guy uh, thinks, okay, well, that means I'll get to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to, uh, you know, have, have sex with not just one woman my whole life, which was the norm before that, but like, who, who knows how many, and that, that sounds great. But then the reality is that, that, uh, uh, is quite different that, you know, with, with, uh, monogamy having been eroded and, and hypergamy having been unleashed, it's not that women are evil. It's not that women are any more evil than men are or that their desires are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not like a white Sharia kind of person or anything like that. Yeah. But I, yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's, that gets a good point to make. I remember, uh, uh, this is almost two years ago. I met up with uh, with Roosh, uh, and this is before he had released his book Game, and we were discussing this. And he made the mm-hmm. point that like the reason women are behaving the way they are is because they have nearly unlimited you know social power uh, due to mm-hmm. feminism, as you mentioned, the sexual revolution, but also technology because you know stuff like you know Instagram, Tinder allows women yeah. to get the maximum amount of attention from men with very little effort. Yeah. And, and Roosh made the point to me that, like, if men were, like, in that same position, we would all be behaving like Hitler. I mean, like, th- th- yeah. think about it, you know? It's like, like, the, 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 the male equivalent of, like, of what women are living like now. Uh, like, imagine, Andy, like, if you were just walking down the street going about your day and there, women left and right were just throwing themselves at you, begging to have sex with you. Like, old, ugly, hey. beautiful, uh, you know, like, it wouldn't matter. They just... just <laughs> Who's they, to say that's not that's not my day now? Are you... I'm just kidding, but... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's certainly my day in these, in these, in these uh, third world countries. I'm, I'm, treated as a, I'm treated as a white god. But yeah, uh, but yeah, like, like, imagine that environment, like, the men listening. Imagine that environment where just right. women are just throwing themselves at you. Uh, at yeah. first you think it'd be like, awesome, this would be great. I, I, all these women, it's great. I, I'll, 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 I'll never want for the rest of my life. Uh, it's just going to be a nonstop orgy. But then, like day two, day three, and you know, you have all these women just, you know, at your, at their, you know, falling on their knees in front of you. You'd start to be a little like, 
you, you start to get insanely like selective and not just like oh yeah. you're too ugly uh it'd be stuff like oh your 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 elbows are too sharp oh i don't like that mole sure. on your neck stuff and that's where you get right. when you know you know doing stuff like oh i don't want a man who's under six foot two. Oh, i don't want a man who's yeah. like this and that you know always oh, uh you know uh right. face has to look like this uh, you can't have a beard you know it's it's yeah. it's yeah, yeah. it's a reaction to just uh just the sheer amounts of choice they have yeah yes and i'm sure that's also i'm sure that the men who are in the very high echelon like the nba stars and the movie stars and rock stars you know i'm sure they are they all they they also uh, become selective in those kinds of uh, perverse sorts of those those kinds of um, over the top kinds of ways, just because they, you know, that's the other side of the coin with, with hypergamy, of course, is that uh, you know that, that there there is a certain subsection of, of men who are extremely privileged under these conditions, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean the whole the 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 general point you make is the, the point that you're echoing the point that I'm making, just that you know, I don't want to blame female nature. I don't want to blame any more than I would want to blame male nature for, for the reverse. It's just the way the conditions, the conditions that have been fostered. And I guess you could say I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist because I, I think I have, a, I mean, my, my, uh, my uh, investigations and research and just intuitions are that these these changes have been have been caused to happen? They haven't happened naturalistically. I I, I just don't think that they have. So yeah, somebody yeah. Is, is causing this stuff. I mean, not somebody. There's some uh, you know our our uh, cultural programmers. Uh, you know um, our overlords, the powers. Our overlords are causing this stuff. Pulling these kinds of strings, not that they can control everything, but they're, but I think if they, if they weren't around, like, you know, if, if, if we weren't seeing these kinds of things endorsed in, in movies and TV commercials and, and, uh, and what have you, and it, it would, uh, it would die of its own. There are certain things that just are getting, that are artificially propped up. And I think, I think a lot of aspects of the social, the sexual revolution, especially, you know, as it grows more, ever more perverse and ever more just ridiculous with the, the kind of things that we, that we see now, you know, like with, uh, I don't know, drag, drag queens reading to kids at the library and trans four-year-olds and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, none of this is, is happening because there's some, grassroots push for it it's it's all being it's all being funded and pushed by people at the top um for their own nefarious reasons i think um so i mean that's that's maybe a difference <laughs> like i think when i wrote the columbine pilgrim 10 years ago i wasn't as i i did i hadn't really thought as much about this kind of stuff um but but uh and maybe i did think that you know it was just more like a question of the culture, you know, culture is just like people get blown by the wind uh, one way or another. But now, since you're asking me now about the cultural conditions that lead to what a lot of what we're seeing today, I think that this is what I think is behind a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, like, like, uh, uh, 
the one thing I've been thinking about is uh, recently there was uh, uh, among the distant right there was the hashtag uh, ban porn. You know, uh, people thinking that pornography should be illegal. I've I've kind of mm-hmm. softened my opinion on that. Uh, uh, for those of you who are curious, you can listen to the live stream I did on my own channel about that. There'll be a link in the description. Um, but with with something like uh, like pornography and the, the just the sheer availability of it on the internet, uh, you see governments, you see corporations moving to shut down. Uh, speech they don't like you know going back yeah we both got banned from facebook people getting banned from twitter and all these other platforms and whatnot um people getting arrested (laughs) in countries like europe but but, but pornography um you can find that everywhere you can find it i bet browsers browsers and uh pornhub and it's easy it's it's easier to get they all have facebook pages yeah it's 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 easier to get porn than it is to like get like hollywood movies if you want to watch like a movie you Legally, you have to go through Netflix or something. But porn, yeah. it's free. Um, and not just I don't porn. Think... It's, it's it's like we're talking hardcore porn. Like uh, maybe not the hardest of hard. I mean, but but like stuff with close-ups and you know genitals. You know, close-ups of genitals and ejaculations and and stuff like that. Like and, and that's fetishes. You know, it's you know yeah. the the fact that the fact that the government corporations can move so swiftly to get rid of a speech they don't like but they allow pornography um it's by design that's by design yeah. or you yeah it's easier to get porn than to get uh, uh the confederate flag <laughs> let's say uh um yeah i mean you can get porn for free it's 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 not even it's there that raises some questions that should raise questions for a lot of people when when you know something that's obviously in demand like that suddenly you can find it for free online uh you know what's what's really going on there i mean i I guess they probably have advertisers they probably make money some other other ways but still you have to you have to wonder if that's there's some kind of social conditioning afoot i mean i i don't just wonder I, i i really think that it's that's the case yeah and speaking of social conditioning um, a good a good segue segue into the other topic I wanted to t- to, to discuss with you, which is uh, Star Wars. You know, uh, on Friday, um, well, for for most for the U.S. at least on Friday, uh, well, I, I think it came out on Thursday. Whatever, I don't pay attention to anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the new Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, came out. Um, I saw it on Thursday. Uh, Andy, I know you went to, to see it. You you snuck into to the movie theater like the the true outlaw that you are, the, yes. the fugitive wandered uh, in seven star <laughs> systems. Uh, <laughs> do you do you do you, do you, you you you've had a lot of interesting thoughts about Star Wars because you you were a, 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 a fan of it. Um, what what did you think of uh, of the rise of Skywalker? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think the whole like um, I'm, I'm definitely in line with what's called the fandom menace. Uh, you know, the, the kind of people who think that Star Wars has really gone astray with Disney uh, since Disney bought it out and Lucas is, George Lucas is no longer in charge. Um, and uh, and my and so yeah, but but as you say, I'm a I'm a fan of Star Wars going back, you know, to my childhood. Like, and I'm older than you, so I was, I was, I was around when the original movies were being released, and it was so huge and so exciting, uh, so much fun. Um, uh, 
And so it sparks, you know, the imagination of me and of so many other others, uh, other, you know, kids my age and around my age and, and so forth. Um, and so, so now with Disney Star Wars, particularly with the release of The Last Jedi, when, when that two years ago, Jedi came out I think that was that represented a real turning point um, now I know that I didn't particularly like the the, the first movie of the trilogy um, the force, force of Awakens. I wasn't crazy about it I, it didn't really do much for me I, I, I it to me it didn't feel it didn't have the feel of the of the original movies including the prequels which are well inferior I think are still still authentic uh, uh, to the auteurship, let's let us say, of George George Lucas, for better or for worse. But um, but The Last Jedi was so, went so over the rails uh, as far as, you know, promotion of radical feminism and demonizing of men and, uh, and the, this, this, uh, like taking these iconic characters like Luke Skywalker and just absolutely uh, immersing him in 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 shit, you know, just 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 making him making him into this this loser, uh, and uh, you know the and, and all of the stuff that that happened in the Last Jedi. What I find most interesting about uh, about the rise of Skywalker. Is the I, I, okay? First of all, I, I would say I have to say I didn't think it was a good movie, and I wasn't expecting to find to think that it was a good movie. I didn't, you know. I enjoyed some parts of it, uh, but all in all, I think it, it's a mess. It's, it's a huge mess of a movie. Yeah, but, mean, yeah, my my take on it was like it's a bad movie, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. It's yeah. Well, the thing is, what I what I liked about it was, it was uh, uh, there were there were so many things in it that it was obviously uh, uh, trying to shake off uh, uh, this this uh, baleful influence, you know, of of the Force Awakens. There, the, I don't know if you noticed this yourself, but there were several scenes where uh, like. In the yeah. Force Awakens, yeah. the Force Awakens, Ray uh, goes to the planet with the island, gives Luke his lightsaber, and he immediately takes it and flings you it mean, over. You mean his the shoulder. Last Jedi? In the Last Jedi, yeah. Um, and that, that's supposed to, you know, that that's supposed to represent his state of mind and how he's, you know, how he's tired and cynical and angry at everything and nihilistic and and so again, this this great icon of my youth is is uh, just. Uh, just um, humiliated, um, or, or just made to made to look pitiful and and appalling. But but uh, there's a but this is just an example in uh, in um, the rise of Skywalker. There's a scene where Ray goes back to that same island and she's all disconsolate because of things that have, that have happened. She takes her lightsaber and throws it and throws it away, and then Luke turns up as a Force ghost and catches it. Do you remember this? Yeah, scene? yeah, yeah. And he says, and he says to her, "That's no way to treat uh, a Jedi uh, 
a Jedi weapon. Um, that that scene struck me as a complete and obvious repudiation, you know, of of uh, that that scene in the Force Awakens, and there were other, or that scene in um, the Last in, Jedi. Uh, the Last Jedi. And there were other scenes like that uh, where. And I don't know if this is for any real reason of principle. I, I think J.J. Abrams is, is a hack. I mean, I don't have much respect for him as a, you know, creative director or anything. I don't think he's got many original ideas. But I don't think. Uh, but but I I, I thought that uh, the Last Jedi was worse than Hackery. It was like a. I mean, I, I, I've re- I recorded a couple of videos about it, and one of them I say it's like a poison pill. It's, um, a, it's, a, it's th- a rape. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it is. It's, a, it's an effort to, 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 um, to, to make you... Uh, uh, um, to, just, to, it's a, to make you disgusted and, 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 and downturned, yeah. Um, uh, to make you lose hope. Yeah. Um, and but, it seemed... So I was kind of heartened by... Even though the movie, the movie is ridiculous. The plot of the movie is ridiculous. It's it's all over the place, and um, uh, yeah, I, I haven't read your review yet, but I will. I'm sure you've got some interesting interesting things to say about it. But um, but I didn't hate it nearly as as much as I as I did the Last Jedi. And I I, uh, I yeah. kind of liked it at times. So yeah, I mean, like my 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 read on it is that. Uh, uh, the 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 general consensus is that J.J. Abrams and uh, Ryan Johnson, who directed the Last Jedi, uh, absolutely hate each other. Uh, yeah. The Last Jedi, um, yeah, I'm sure you noticed this, deliberately tries to break all of the subplots that were set up in the Force Awakens. Like, yeah. like the, the 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 it was implied in the Force Awakens that Rey is like. Got some like great, uh, you know, lineage, some Jedi lineage. There's some hidden secret in her yeah. past. And then the last Jedi is all like, "Oh, your parents weren't anyone, anyone important. They were just, they were just random, like they were, they were just random schlubs. They're um, nobody. They, yeah, they were, they were losers. They sold you for drinking money. Yeah, and then you know, uh, and and much of the rise of Skywalker is just retconning uh, the last Jedi. All totally. The ch- yeah, and it was. Yeah, like for, another example of that is like that, that horrible character Rose Tico, the the fat right. Asian chick, uh, who had yeah. to, was clearly being set up to be uh, Finn's love interest in the Last Jedi. She gets like three lines of dialogue in the Rise of Skywalker. Right. She's barely right. above like a like a, a background character. She's like what happened to to, uh, to Jar Jar Binks uh, in the second and third ep- uh, uh, parts of the original or the the prequels when everybody hated him. I mean that they she got the the uh, Jar 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 Binks treatment. She's she's relegated to the background. Um, yes, the uh, that is true. And also, since you mentioned the whole uh, the whole idea, the whole notion of Ray's lineage, and uh, you know how in the Last Jedi, he, uh, Kylo Ren tells her, "You were your parents were nobodies." Um, that also gets uh, like. It's just, it's just funny. It, it's like, it kind of reminds me of the, you know, what I said, what I told you before was true from a certain point of view, in the like what Obi Wan says in Return of the Jedi, um, because she, he he, what he tells her now is uh, that uh, 
well, I told you that they were nobodies and yeah, they were, they were nobodies, but they, but they were deliberately nobodies because they wanted, and then they sold you because they wanted to protect you because your grandfather is the emperor Palpatine. So you were, so that, so yeah, he totally turns it around like to, to make it so that now it makes sense uh, that in a way that Ray's got these incredible force powers uh, but because uh, her grandfather is, the, is Emperor Palpatine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a plot twist that is thrown in. Yeah, oh yeah, and Palpatine is back in in the movie somehow. <laughs> Even yes. yeah, he, he somehow survived being thrown down a a goddamn uh, uh, pit. <laughs> Yeah, and then and and then the, the the Death Star totally exploding, being vaporized. Uh, somehow he's still alive after that, and there are still pieces of the Death Star that are still whole, uh, you know, on the planet, uh, floating around in the ocean on the planet Endor. Even though we saw the Death Star just be blown to smithereens, and, you know, and even and 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 considering that, like, if that actually happened, if like a piece of the Death Star landed on the planet. It would probably cause an extinction event, like you know the yeah. death of the dinosaurs. Yeah. And I love yeah. how, like, like I didn't mention this in the review, was because it was kind of a minor point. You know, the whole the whole thrust of the plot is that they're trying to find like these these wayfinder devices so they can find where Palpatine is. And then they discover that one of them is in the ruins of the Death Star, you know, on Endor. And it's like right. you didn't think to look there first. Like, <laughs> like you needed someone to tell you that. Uh, there might be something important related to the Emperor and the wreckage of the of the Death Star, but like mm-hmm. I didn't mention that because it's, it's kind of like a minor point. It's like you've got all these these yeah. plot inconsistencies and stuff. Uh, oh, it's, but... so, it's so over the top. It's so ridiculous. It's so convoluted. Um, yet for all of its problems, I, I still it's still to me way better than than uh, the Last Jedi. Just yeah, because I mean the point just for the reasons I've given. I, I, I made this point in my review, and I also made the point when I reviewed The Last Jedi a couple of years ago. I, I reviewed that at Return of Kings when it was still still around. Uh, and it's I, I think the central problem with these movies, uh, it, it's not the wokeness. The wokeness is just a symptom of the central problem, which is, as I put it in review, the original Star Wars movies were written in a cultural language that people no longer understand. Uh, if you if you compare uh, the original trilogy with the new Star Wars movies, the original trilogy had a a, a seriousness, a, a gravitas to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it had its cheesy moments, you know, humor. You know, maybe the acting wasn't as good from some characters as it could have been, but the underlying tone was one of like earnestness because it was you know an epic story of good versus evil, um, an epic you know a, a, right. a classic adventure, you know. Uh, the, it's something that, that modern, uh, at least the people making movies, and I imagine a large part of the, of the public, uh, can't relate to in a, in a world that, you know, is postmodern, post-sincerity, post ironic Everything is so dumbed down. It's like, it's like a symptom of the dumbing down of everything. Like nobody reads the classics. Nobody has, uh, you know, uh, any kind of, um. Uh, attention span uh, anymore. <laughs> I guess I'm. I guess I sound like a boomer now, but but <laughs> it's kind of that. That I think is part of the problem. There's been yeah, it's it's a it's a total change in, in American 
uh, culture that basically makes a, making a movie like Star Wars like impossible. And it's why the new movies come off with this, this just this falseness. Because yeah, it may you may you may have like stuff like the stormtroopers and the lightsabers and whatnot. But without that underlying ethos, it's just glorified glorified cosplay. Uh, to give an example, this uh, this is an example I talked about in the review. Uh, the very beginning of the movie, when uh, you know uh, Poe Dameron and Finn return from the mission on the Millennium Falcon, they're on a dangerous mission for the Resistance. They're coming back with important info on you know how to fight, fight the Empire. They nearly died, um, you know, and and how does Ray react when when she sees them? You know, is she overjoyed to, to hear that they're still alive? Is does she really want to hear about what they found out while they were out in the cosmos? No, she starts snarking at them and and trying to crack wise and being sarcastic. Like that's that's not how so, that is absolutely not how someone who was in a situation like that would react. There's no sincerity right. there. You know, like imagine imagine uh, in a new hope. Like after you know Han and Luke return from destroying the Death Star. And right. when they line back on Yavin, instead of like greeting them with a hug and being enthusiastic, Princess Leia just you know made some made just started cracking wise. It would yeah. it would look ridiculous. It, it it does look ridiculous. It's completely it's 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 utterly it's utterly false. There's there's a lot of forced there's a lot of forced camaraderie or forced like like supposedly humorous bickering that, that that's rather contrived uh, among the characters. I think the problem is these characters are just very uh i think they lack a lot of depth i mean ray particularly the mary sue you know that that's that's uh people have commented on her character a lot but i mean but the other like poe who is poe he's like a great pilot um and i don't know but, but what else like who who exactly is he like what depth does he have as a character right I, I think the actor is. I think Isaac is a good actor, but I, I, there's not much to him. And Finn, the character of Finn, he could have been so much more because he he was like a, someone who was like a brainwashed stormtrooper who defected, who grew a conscience, and and you know, there there was I thought there was a real possibility to go some interesting places with his character, but they really didn't. They go didn't go anywhere with him. Um, to me, the only really interesting new character from the the the, 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 uh, the prequel trilogy, the the Disney Star Wars trilogy, the only interesting character was Kylo Ren. I I I thought um, he yeah, he was the only one who kind of had some sort of uh, depth or some sort of like um, uh, you know like a, a little bit of a question of exactly who who is he, what is what motivates him, what you know. Um, not that he's a great character or anything, but maybe it's just like in the midst of all these others who are just, you know, nobodies who, who you don't don't who, who don't really register at all. Um, you know, he he's he stands out at least as as being somewhat interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's and, and the thing with Kyle Ren, that's another thing I, I brought up, and it's and it's a a part of uh, this this kind of dick measuring contest between Abrams and Johnson uh, in that it completely breaks the, uh, the thematic flow of the trilogy. Like in The Last Jedi you know, Kylo Ren's just going on about how like, you know, let the past die kill it if you right. have to. He's, 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 a, he's a moral nihilist. But in The yeah. Rise of Skywalker 
Like he's he's suddenly going like, well, I'm I fell to the dark side because it runs in my genes, it runs in my family, and it runs in yours too, Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, which completely contradicts what he was saying in the previous movie. Isn't it? Isn't it incredible that they have no no through line? Like that Disney, that that, that the, the the people, like the, these supposedly really sophisticated people with all this, all these resources and all this money, and they had this big cash cow on their hands. You know, all they had to do, all they they didn't, it didn't even have to be great. All they had to do was just have their shit together and say. Okay, let's form a, you know a coherent trilogy. Let's say let's get some creative people together and let's have this let's plan it all out. Let's give it let's have an outline. You know, uh, in the first movie this will happen. In the second movie this will happen. In the third movie it'll conclude in this way. Isn't it amazing that they that they, they didn't do that that instead of doing that they said, "Okay, JJ, uh, you take episode seven do whatever uh and then ended with in your mystery box kind of way where you know there are all these questions and blah 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 and and so jj just does does his thing this this totally derivative movie that's it's like uh, episode four with uh with new characters but it's basically the same plot um and then <laughs> instead of but there was no plan like and then they, they then they say okay jj you're not going to direct the next one. Uh, we're going to give the next. We're going to give episode eight to Ryan Johnson, but isn't even a Star Wars fan. Didn't even. Uh, I don't. I think I heard maybe he didn't even watch uh, Force Awakens before he wrote the script. Uh, he yeah. just had. Yeah. It feels like it feels like the movies were designed by committee, and not even the same committee. Like three different committees worked on the movies. Yeah, that if if it had been the same committee, then then it wouldn't. You would think they would at least know to do that, but somehow it's so disjointed. Like, and then so episode eight, Ryan Johnson just just uh, pisses on everything. Not that not that not that anything in episode seven was great, but he, but the the you know like the the plot points, the the ways that it was going, the ways that it could have evolved naturalistically from there. He just goes <laughs> a totally different way, um, and uh, you know basically ends it in a way that paints the whole the whole story into a corner, um, and then they give it back to JJ again. Uh, he almost feels. I mean, I, I, JJ's a hack, and he's you know he's. I don't really feel sorry for him per se, but I almost feel sorry for being in that position where you you made this other you made the movie before the the sequel. I mean, you made episode seven, and then they gave episode eight to this guy who totally spat on everything you did and and screwed up everything, uh, and. There was no plan all along, so now he has to go back and say, "Okay, what are we going to do to salvage this? Well, let's bring back Emperor Palpatine and have this crazy convoluted plot where you know where Emperor Palpatine is somehow still alive, and uh, you know let's let's just retcon everything. Let's let's because uh, we've got to. Uh, I mean, there, there's like there's so little of a th- with, with the original trilogy." Like, one, you see how if you if you watch those movies again, you see how one story leads into another. You you see how uh, a new hope leads into 
Empire Strikes Back, and which ends on this cliffhanger with all of these questions. And then, and and, and the changes that, that leads were, to Return of the Jedi. And, are, yeah, 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 exactly. And even the changes that were not initially planned for, like fit in, fit in perfectly. Like, like yeah. you probably know that, like in A New Hope, uh, you know. Luke Skywalker's father and Darth Vader were supposed, right. were not originally supposed to be the same person. Right. They didn't get that idea until the, they were working on the script for The Empire Strikes Back. And that right. was the kind of idea that, yeah, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the first we didn't really set it up. But it works perfectly because it just it ties everything together. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, there's nothing like that, uh, you know, in... Uh, in, in the new movies. I mean, I mean, even going back to what I was saying about like how, you know, m- you know, movies these days are incapable of being serious or dialing down the snark or the irony, you know, even yeah. the prequels, uh, as bad as they are, at least right. Lucas was attempting to like recreate, uh, you know, that seriousness, that, that epic. Yeah. Film. He didn't do a good job of it at all, but you could say, you know, but, but it's, it's at least making the attempt. But there's no attempt yeah, at all. And, and again, movies. and again, they're they're coherent. They 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 fit. They 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 follow. They're, you know, episode one leads into episode two. Uh, you know, in episode one, there's you know Senator Palpatine hiding his time. He's the Phantom Menace. Well, well, everybody at the Jedi Council has no idea what's going on, and all this war stuff is happening. And then that leads to episode two. With the, the clone army and the separatists and and the and the clone wars starting and then that leads into episode three and what what takes and how Anakin turns to the dark side and it's it's like it it follows a coherent story any like any series you see how <clears throat> one leads to another leads to another and it it's just amazing to me that these incredibly well paid incredibly powerful you know people the, the you know with tons and tons of resources at their disposal that they didn't i mean i i could have done a better job you you could have done a better job of uh coming up with a trilogy where which made sense which where where one one movie led into another and then that movie led into the third movie and brought was brought to a conclusion but that they didn't have the foresight or they didn't care or they just sort of thought they just let it be all haphazard um, is just incredible. I, I just, I just don't know. Uh, you know, it just leaves me uh, uh, really bewildered. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and to be fair, like a lot of these problems are just endemic in movies in general. Like one one of the things I really like I, I don't I don't care for a lot of these action movies. I don't go to the movies very often. And part of the reason why is like the overuse of, of CGI and, and all these special effects. Which makes it way too easy right. to like do stuff like, you know, huge starship battles and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, like in, at the end of, of, of the rise of Skywalker, we have an absolutely ridiculous fight between Ray and Palpatine where where he's like shooting lightning into the sky to de- destroy yeah. an entire star fleet and you know, she's doing like like all this and she can heal people, you know, she yeah. can bring people back from the dead with the force and it's like 
these characters are like you know you know it's bad enough that she's already in Mary Sue, but like these characters are so overpowered that it's impossible to kind of feel any empathy, you know, anything for them. There's no there's no tension, you know, yeah, uh, because they're already the bestest at everything and and whatever. I mean, compared yeah. against the original trilogy, it took. Luke Skywalker, three whole movies before he could even hold his own in a fight with Darth Vader, and he still nearly yeah. loses. You know, there's actual right. tension there because we see a human being growing into to their role as as the protagonist. Yes. Uh, that doesn't right. there's there's none of that here uh, because because the, you know because the characters are not well constructed and because oh well if uh, you know if it doesn't work out we can just CGI up some lightning or whatever and it, you know people are like oh that's cool yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, and CGI has gotten kind of out of hand. Although sometimes it, you know, if it's done well, it, I'm, I'm not saying it's always bad. But but oh uh, well, yeah, it serves a purpose. But like it's it's. I mean, the, the prequels did this as well. It's it's being used to just pay, paper over like actual you know character development. You know, since you know yeah you know, to 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 to, to uh, compare to like. Uh, you know J.J. Abrams' other work. You know he also did the uh, the Star Trek reboot, uh, which I, sure. I was never never a Star Trek fan, but yeah. I I can't stand the reboot. I've I've never I, the first time I tried to watch it, like I quit about forty minutes in because it's just nothing but explosions, lens flare, you know, people yeah. screaming at each other. Uh, <laughs> there's there's no subtlety in character development anymore. You yeah, know? it's like you, you and again you you go back to say something like the you know the Wrath of Khan. Uh, where this is a detail that people often overlook. In that movie, Captain Kirk and Khan never actually confront each other face to face. You know, they're always communicating mm -hmm. through like the communicators or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have this dramatic tension between these two characters, even even though there's no point where they actually get into a sword fight or or whatever. Uh, yeah. You have this slow buildup. You have this, you know, dialogue and character development. Then you fast forward to, you know, the the Abrams Star Trek reboot, and it's just all it's 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 Spock and Kirk screaming at each other like a couple of gay guys fighting over the glory hole at the club. <laughs> and Spock really is gay in the new movies. A is or the character the uh, the, the actor who yeah. plays him is is gay. I think, but yeah. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I mean JJ's a hack. I, I I really think, but 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 once again, just just uh, just to finish my thoughts on on the rise of Skywalker, there are worse things than hacks. <laughs> you know, at least with a hack, you, you don't have somebody who's malevolent, malevolent, malevolently planning to just uh, destroy your childhood icons, and and uh, um, you know that's really what I think. The last, I think, the last Jedi is just an evil, an evil movie. It's it's like a negative propaganda. It's like um, it's calculated. I'm I'm, you know, for all of the things that are stupid about it, like the, uh, like the uh, Leia Poppin scene that 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 was just so ridiculous apparently but, that was that was like kathleen kennedy's uh you know insertion she was all like well Leia is a brother of a powerful jedi she need, we need to show her using the force even though oh, she's really? never been trained in the force oh but that was <laughs> that was shoehorned through the rise of skywalker as well yeah apparently at some sure. point she decided to start becoming a jedi yeah right right and then and then she she somehow dies mysteriously because of some connection to Kylo Ren or whatever, yeah. it's like, well, th that was them like, like just trying to wallpaper over the fact that Carrie Fisher's dead. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, there was a lot of problems. That the, the, them just using this old footage of of Carrie Fisher and sort of trying to splice it into scenes, exposition heavy scenes where the other characters are talking to her. Yeah, but she's I not mean, really there. It's yeah, pretty the, awkward. Yeah, it, it's it's very. Have you ever seen the movie Wagons East? No. Uh, it's not a good movie. Uh, the main reason people know about it is because uh, it starred John Candy, and he died while it was while while it was being filmed. So mm-hmm. to wallpaper around the fact that he was dead, they took a bunch of unused footage and just reused it at various points, and it's incredibly awkward. That's that's what this uh, the using Carrie Fisher's footage in this movie sounded felt like. It was just incredibly mm-hmm. you you could tell it was completely. Uh, you know, shoehorned in. They they had the footage against the green screen and whatnot, and it's yeah, just yeah, very yeah. awkward. Yes, yes, indeed. So again, my 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 uh, my rating of of uh, of um, Rise of Skywalker was well, my my assessment of Rise of Skywalker is it's not very good. It's a mess. It's it's pretty ridiculous, but it's it's still ten times better than the Last Jedi. That would be my. That would be my assessment. Yeah, uh-huh. it's 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 still shit, but it's slightly less shit. Yeah. And and one yeah. and one final question on that. Um, what was what was the audience turnout like in the uh, in the theater? Because I went, like I said, I went last night. I went to the eight p.m. showing, the eight p.m. English mm-hmm. language showing, which is uh, you know always the most popular one. Uh, how theaters work out here in, in Eastern Europe is that for the first week they'll screen like you know, Hollywood movies uh, with the you know, original English dialogue, and then afterwards they'll switch to the local language. But so because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people want to see the the movie in its original uh, mm. original language. You know, like how like like how in foreign films in the U.S. you're not going to go to a, a French film or a German film and listen to it dubbed over in English. You want to hear the original right. voices. Um, yep. I was at the theater. Um, like I said, 8 p.m. release day. Uh, the most popular the, the time when most people are going out to the movies on a release day, the theater was half empty. I had a mm-hmm. I had an entire row to myself, uh, yep. and this is way way down compared to uh, like I said. I saw the Last Jedi. The theater was not packed, but it was mostly full. And hmm. when I tried to see the Force Awakens, tried to see it on release day, uh, there was a line going out the door. It was sold out, and I ended up having to go to a matinee showing. I think huh. I think fans have had enough. Uh, so what 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 what's, what's your read on that, Andy? I mean, it's 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 all anecdotal, but but yeah, it was the same for me. There was no, I had no problem getting in, and I and you you saw my you saw my YouTube video where I I actually bought a ticket for another movie. Yeah, and snuck to the the movie house. That's what just so that that Disney and Lucasfilm couldn't get a penny of my of my money. But um, I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty sparse. Um, there, and there wasn't much of a, like from the crowd who was there, there wasn't too much of a reaction. There were some, <laughs> there were there were a couple of Raylos there who were ooing uh, over the kiss, but I don't know whether you talk about that in your review. Uh, the but, kiss. Yeah, the the Raylo kiss. Oh right, right. <laughs> that that was the only thing where that I note that where where there was a like a response. Uh, I don't think there was really much of anything else, but again, that's that's anecdotal. But I, I I do suspect that when when the weekend is up, that the numbers will be down from uh, 
Well, I, I think or, I think one no, a notable thing here is that Disney didn't even bother bribing reviewers into giving it good reviews because like everyone's just panning it. Like it's got like yeah. a rating of like fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, even a lot of the people who were there, like for the Hollywood premiere, said they didn't like it. And what what complicates it, of course, is that some of the some of the SJW types who love The Last Jedi because because it was so, uh, you know, because it subverted expectations and all that crap. Some of them are mad at uh, the rise of Skywalker for for uh, for retconning uh, the Last Jedi so hard. So, so that kind of makes makes things a little more complicated because you want to. I mean, I want to see this franchise fail, but I don't. Uh, but but then, in some ways, if you're <laughs> you don't want to have the uh, you don't want to, the idea to get out there that this this movie failed because it wasn't woke enough. Jedi, which I know is what some people, are, some stupid critics are already saying, but clearly that's not the re- That's not what has happened. The Last Jedi was what broke the fandom. It was what broke Star Wars, and uh, you know what and this this you know that this movie would come next is just the. Again, because JJ was painted in a corner, and he had to, he had to uh, do something to placate, or try to placate, or try try to mollify the people who were so so many people who were so pissed off about what uh, what um, uh, Ryan Johnson had done in the Last Jedi. So, yeah, it's I, a. It's I a, think. I mean, I might be wrong on this, but I think this movie like has the potential to kill Star Wars in the same way that. Uh, uh, you know, Nemesis killed Star Trek, or you know, Batman mm. and Robin killed the Batman film franchise. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Disney's going to abandon it entirely, but they're just going to ratchet back what they're doing. Like they're going to cancel film projects. You know that that three that three movie deal Ryan Johnson got is going to be worth more a single ply. Uh, they'll probably continue with stuff like The Mandalorian, but they're going to be putting far less money into it because yeah. it's it's massively diminishing returns at this point. Yeah, well, the Mandalorian is the if it, if if Disney Star Wars has a future, Mandalorian is paving the way. I, I I haven't I haven't seen it, but like everyone I know who's seen it likes it a lot. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's uh, um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, not not every episode is is is, is great or anything, but it, it it does at least retain sort of the feel of Star Wars as I remembered it, and. Uh, you know, I thought I thought Rogue One was good. Rogue One was probably the Rogue One is the only Disney Star Wars movie that I enjoyed. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, like everyone I knew liked that one as well. I haven't, I haven't yeah. seen it. I mean, I, I might, I might look into the Mandalorian if I have time. I mean, I want to be like a, I want to be like a fucking nerd uh, uh, and be all like, you know, because I think it's set, it, it's set like after the uh, uh, the original trilogy, right? Yes, I want to be like a nerd and be like, the Mandalorians are extinct. The whole point of of Boba Fett wearing the Mandalorian armor was that they were extinct and it looked cool. Where where's this guy coming from? I want to be a nerd, but like I at the same time, you know, if it's a good show, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about. I'm actually not enough of a nerd to to uh, argue that point. I mean, but. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't a huge Star Wars fan, but like I played a lot of the video games when I was growing up, so you know, mm. I, I I know far more about this than I probably should. But mm. <laughs> but in, but in any event, like 
we've been going for a while now, way way longer than I thought. But it's been a been a great yeah. conversation. We've, well, I'm sure the audience has learned a lot, and they've been. Well, now, well, now maybe we, we, we're, the natural way to end this conversation is to ask, when will the movie version of the Columbine Pilgrim be made? Um, I could probably get Sam Hyde to direct that, but <laughs> I'll, so? I'll ask him. I, it might be you something. Think he could, could scrape some money together, <laughs> Sam. You think Sam could uh, could uh, assemble a team and? <laughs> well it's it's an it's an idea for it's an idea for the future um yeah. but yeah it's 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 gonna be great guys um uh one final thing um normally i would have the questions and, and comments section but you know nobody sent any streamlabs tips so we don't have any questions to answer um boo to you for boo, boo to you for not spending your hard-earned money on this podcast people but hey, the link is there if you uh, want to send in the questions for future episodes. Um, all right, uh, Andy, uh, anything else you want to uh, plug before we go? Uh, well, no. I mean, I've I've got my uh, my my page is still altrightnovelist.com. Um, I I have started a new um, started a new page called lowstatusnovelist.blogspot.com, uh, which which has some of my, uh, which, on which I plan to, uh, catalog some of my newer stuff. Um, uh, like I said, uh, gosh, I don't know. I've got my YouTube channel, um, which is still up. Um, and that's just my name, Andy Nowicki. And, um, no, I just, I would just say, uh, you know, if you're into, uh, hard hitting fiction, uh, that 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 grabs you by the balls, and uh, and you know uh, if you're if you liked Joker, if if you saw Joker and it spoke to you, then uh, check out uh, the Columbine Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah, guys, um, go check out all of Andy's stuff and the Columbine Pilgrim. Like I said, we are gunning to have it out on January third. Uh, that's subject to change, but that is the release date I have set right now. Um, I will keep you updated. We'll keep you updated uh, through uh, the website, uh, Terror House, uh, Twitter, uh, Telegram, and Andy, of course, will also keep you updated. Uh, I will. I, yeah. I, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's. I'm it's a, a shameless self promoter, so yes, I, I it's, it's, it's really a fantastic uh, book, guys. It's, it's really, it's poignant. It's funny. It's dark. It's affecting. Um, and for those of you, um, you know, who are interested in the, the whole incel thing, you know, it's something I think a lot of you will really enjoy. Uh, we'll have more information on Combine Pilgrim in the uh, next couple of weeks as we approach release day. But I'll keep you all updated on that. Um, Bryden is not here, like I said. Uh, you know, he, he had to work overtime in the salt mines this weekend. But I invite you to go check out um, his podcast, uh, Sid and Brian and Beer. Check out his YouTube channel. Check out his DLive channel. Uh, he got banned from Twitter recently, so you can't check him out on Twitter. Um, yeah. You know, but but all the links will be there. And, of course, if you want to check out my personal stuff, go to mattforney.com, uh, my Telegram page, my YouTube page. Um, what else is there? Uh, DLive, all that. You, you, you know where to find me. You know where to find me. Um, all the links will be in the description. Um, 
And that will do it for this episode of Terror House Radio. Be sure to check in every day at Terror House Magazine, terrorhousemag.com, for our latest uh, submissions, publications. You can go check out our books at Terror House Press at terrorhousepress.com. Follow our social media links in the description. And don't forget that you can always check out past episodes of Terror House Radio at terrorhouseradio.com. Terror House Radio is produced by Bryden Proctor and presented by Jugs. Intro music by Meme Extremist. Illegitimate on Carborundum. Don't the bastards grind you down. I'm Matt Forney with Andy Wiki and we are.